0: Racing. It's green light, they're set to go. Green light's on. Set for a start. Kablens is holding on. Cut glory for wins, But it is all heart style Rico and he is going to absolutely bolt the Melbourne cup in. Green light is on for the Green light on podcast. After some Group 1 heats at Sandown Park last night, the Green Light On podcast is bouncing back, turning our attention to the other side of Melbourne, over to the Meadows for Saturday night Metropolitan Racing. And as always on this edition, we get our main man in from the MGRA, I speak of Corey Smith, and a little birdie tells me, still a little hungover from Warnable last week. Smithy, welcome back, mate.
1: <laughs> uh, thanks for having me Jim I feel like a bit of a uh, a FIFO worker at the moment with this green light on podcast I just fly in fire whenever I feel like it but no I'm not not still hungover, but uh I, I haven't had a beer since I've come back from Warrnambool it's been a week so that that probably goes to show how much I played up over there
0: you do you do sound a little bit raspy though and I think uh, I reckon it takes about a month from what I've heard to fully recover from Warrnambool would you agree with that
1: I reckon a few months. You wouldn't want to do it more than uh, more than a couple of times a year. I put it that way. But uh, now nah, it's a good week down there, and everyone puts on a good show, and the greyhound racing was exciting too. But uh, yeah, it was good. Good to have a week off and uh, and put the feet up.
0: On a on a serious note, Corey, do do you learn from the Meadows? I suppose on behalf of them, certain ways to to do things when you go to a carnival like Warnable because. The Gallops is supposedly absolutely awesome. It combines with the Greyhound Cup on the Wednesday night. The atmosphere the buzz is, is second to none. I've been there for that. Do, do you learn anything, I guess, from a business perspective to try and bring back to, to when you're hosting some sort of carnival down at the MGRA?
1: Yeah, you do. And and when you kind of work in the industry and admin and putting on these events, you, you do pick up on the little things and it is the little things that you probably do. Uh, notice the most so just different things like where you have security guards and uh, and the, the way that marquee entrances are like with your wrist, wristbands and all that sort of stuff so that, that sort of stuff kind of comes in handy and um, you you pick up on, on different people and different uh, events the way that they do things and you can kind of bring that back here but yeah, as a general rule, most events are probably sixty percent of them are run the exact exactly the same. But it's just that cherry on top that you pick up from going to these other other venues and and learning little things.
0: Speaking of other venues, last night Sandown Park lit up. I think for the Harrison Dawson and the Sapphire Crown and. I know they're meant to be best 32 when we spoke to uh, to Jason Adams on the Thursday podcast about this and, and the fact that the Harrison-Dawson almost needed five heats. Sapphire Crown could only muster up, you know, not even three, um, not even three full heats. But the end result, I think, is outstanding. We'll start with the Harrison-Dawson final next Thursday. Fred Rose in one, Amron Boy two, three Ky Bale, four Trappeteers, five Dundee Smokey, six Troopeteers, seven at Hanarico, uh, box eight Stealth Reserves, Titan Blazer and Blue Demon. Firstly, what did you make of the heats last week, or last night rather, for the Harrison Dawson, and what do you make of the draw, and who do you like?
1: Yeah, as you said, it was obviously a little bit disappointing with the Sapphire Crown not getting full uh, full numbers in there, but the top end talent was was supreme, and most of that top end talent has managed to find its way into the into the draw, and then the Harrison Dawson is an absolute cracker as well. Any race that you see, Amron Boy, Trapper Tears, Trooper Tears, Stealth Dundee. You could you could just keep reeling all of them off. To be honest, They're, it's a it's an absolute cracker. The box draw is an interesting one. You got speed drawn in the middle and out wide, and then Amron Boy drawn down near the inside where he wants to be. So you can cut it in, in in plenty of different ways. Obviously, I, I have a fair soft spot for Amron Boy. I think he's an absolute superstar, and any time he's drawn down the inside, he's He's going to be hard to beat, but there's some serious talent throughout the race and uh, a couple of greyhounds on the rise that I don't think we've seen the best of yet.
0: And credit to Daniel Hibbard, who came on the podcast last week as well for for Thursday night, and and he was really pushing Trooper and Trappeteers. And to be honest, I I thought Amron Boy would get the better of Trooper, but um, even though Amron Boy got that drag down the back, Trooper was able to go past. But yeah, at this stage, I'm leaning to Amron Boy. Sapphire Crown, I mean, only three heats. I didn't mind that because... The, the stars were on show. Wow, she's fast. Baby JC, Kelsey Bell, they all qualify. Magic Muffin comes up with box number one uh, in the finals. So it's such a, a deep sapphire <coughs> crown. All of the big names there. Um, I was speaking to Michi Bay yesterday on air, and he said to me, oh, Magic Muffin, you know, she's going to be odds on. And I, I think she's going to be hard to beat because her effort ch- chasing Baby JC was outstanding. She can break five to the peg as well. And if she does that... She's, she's well and truly on her way. Now, the surprise for Mitchell Bayer when he opens up the computer this morning will be Magic Muffins opened up uh, around about $4.40 in box one to win the Sapphire Crown. Even though she's not one of the big names, um, I think she's an up-and-comer, and the only reason you're getting that price, in my opinion, Corey, is the fact that everybody knows Kelsey Bale, Baby JC, and wow, she's fast. They're cult figures, they have a following, and therefore uh, the bookmakers will always open them shorter than they should be.
1: Yeah, I take your point on that. Obviously, the the big names are always going to be short, regardless of draws. But Magic Muffin, if if you had said to me that she's gone four ninety fourth to the first peg at Sandown, That's if right. you had said to me that she did that in the heat and led all of the way and and won, then from box one, I'd say she would be odds on. But she obviously did it a little bit differently, came from behind, and she was enormous in defeat behind Baby JC. But she's got to get out and get running in a race of this caliber. So um, it, it'll be inter- interesting to see whether she can do that. She's obviously come up with a plum draw. All the other greyhounds that are probably uh, in the market have drawn, not not poorly, but uh, probably in a sticky situation. So it'll be interesting to see that Magic Muffin's certainly come up with the, the plum draw. I don't think I've really got a, a firm opinion just yet, but yeah, um, It's hard to go past Kelsey Bale and the form that she's in. Her run last night was absolutely enormous. She got squashed out the back and she just keeps coming. So a greyhound in form is a greyhound that you want to be with. So... Uh, I'll do some further form on that this week, but uh, Kelsey Bale is going to be really hard to beat from box four, I think.
0: I was just looking at the bundle bet, and I reckon if you take Magic Muff and Kelsey Bale, I think they're they're the two just purely based on the draw. They're closest to the rails. Baby JC, well, she's faster, going to rely on luck. You're getting over even money. So, And look, you'd be really surprised if the winner doesn't come from, from that big quartet at the top of the market. So I think that, that may well be the way to go. Let's get back to the Meadows and run of the week from last Saturday night. Run of the week. <clears throat> to my disgust, I can hear you sort of coughing and splattering, but we're going to let you off, Smithy, because uh, that's, that's just Warnable recovery, I've been told. It's fairly normal. Um, <laughs> let's have a listen to Navarino last uh, Saturday night. I thought this win was huge. Um, I was on Quested Bail, so I was a little bit disappointed that Navarino did go as well as, as he did, but he'd sort of been promising this since joining the Thompson Kennel, and he was outstanding last week. Here it is. And they're racing, jumping well on the inside was Push-Up King, but Quested Bale flew out from the yellow and will lead to the first turn by two lengths. Navarino got a beautiful run across to second and chases out after the leader. Push-Up King back to third. Then came Kanji Uganda on the rail and they're three or four clear of Gusta Bale. Why not Jules Air Outlaw and Gangster Paradise lead at Quested Bale but here comes Navarino and went Wooshka, raced away. Navarino opens up for a big win by six second quested bail, third across the it line was a big was win and, and i reckon smithy that's exactly what navarino has been threatening to do run home was big on a track that that was clearly rain affected i know you weren't there on saturday night but um it was sort of like a middle of winter type of track so uh, i thought that win from navarino was absolutely massive
1: yeah it was it's uh it's the type of greyhound that may need a little bit of luck early in a lot of races but there's plenty of them around at the moment it's got a big engine and a big future jim
0: Saturday's preview Alright, let's do it Saturday night preview Probably 11 winners 1 or 2 dead heats And who knows what else At the Meadows on Saturday night First at half past 6 uh, Let's begin with race 1 On with Never Be Alone number 3 I just think again going to make uh, It's own luck A very very reliable beginner uh, she leads nearly every time she steps around, and even though she's only won two out of 21, she's been placed 13 further times, banked $26,000, and she can push that sort of 30 even around the meadows. Now, I think that could be enough to see her go well. The track conditions, that that thick mud that they were running through last week did not suit her, so I'm expecting her to be hard to beat. Close watch on the pink, who's got a big motor.
1: Yeah, this, I was actually a little bit taken aback, to be honest, when I was doing the form and I saw Never Be Alone at only one, two times. I feel like this greyhound's... Uh, been competing in really good races and running really nice races, but uh, it's obviously been without winning, but definitely on top for me. I think she leads... Pretty comfortably, and uh, like you said, if she gets conditions to suit, then she'll uh, she'll be holding on, I think.
0: In 17 of 21, roughly, uh, judging by the, the watchdog position in running, she's led at about the halfway mark. So that's, I think, why we sort of think, well, she's won more than two races uh, leading at that point of a race, you know, the, when the whips are cracking 17 times out of 21. But you know exactly what you're going to get there. Race number two, now this is a mixed six and seven final. Interesting race. How do you How do you pull this one apart, Smithy? Because they're very even.
1: Yeah, this is a really tough one, to be honest, Jim. It's obviously a final, so you've uh, you've seen them all go around uh, last week. But uh, this is probably, from a punting perspective, I'm probably going to stay away from it. I have a bit of an opinion of the two ten and black. I think there's plenty of races for that dog to win around the meadows. And um, I've landed with the eight Raven Owl. I, I don't know where the dog gets to in the run. It's, it's a bit of a sticky draw, obviously, but uh, I think, I think it probably has the most upside out of the Greyhounds in this race. So I'm with Raven Owl, but I respect Tan and Black. So in other words, I'm getting splinters, Jim.
0: Yeah, open up your Black Book. Um, I'll do you a favour. Open up your Black Book, grab a pen, put Fab's Max Potato tan and black in there both as dogs who are going to win races over 600 metres so I'm not exactly sure how this one's going to play out because there's lots of strength not a hell of a lot of speed um, I'm sort of leaning with I, I think the front runner in the race Redeemer Blue number 6 but yeah, the last the last 100 metres um, I will be a little bit concerned but I think he's best form enough to win this. Race number 3 uh, Umberto's the even money favourite drawn box number 8 but it's a deep race you've got Exalted who absolutely loves the Meadows in box number 1 um, I think he grows a leg here Nelvin Bale's, I think, an up-and-comer who races really consistently. And Shimmer Shadow in box four. So I really don't know. They they were the four that I was tossing up between. And and I'll be honest, Smithy, I haven't really got any further than, than breaking down that four. I think the winner might come from there.
1: I have an enormous opinion of Shimmer Shadow, to be honest, Jim. I think it's going to be an absolute superstar. The time's been running. Obviously, made the Ballarat Cup final in behind Kelsey Bale, and uh, it's only having its ninth start. So there's plenty of upside there. I'm leaning towards Shimmer Shadow, but I do have plenty of respect for Umberto as well, who uh, has handled wide draws previously, jumps nicely. Uh, yeah, look, it's a tough race once again, but uh, Shimmer Shadow, just for me.
0: I reckon I'm going to tip. Nitro Bale to run a place. Um, I keep jumping on this dog. Maybe he's he's on the way out. I'm not 100% sure because he hasn't won for a long time but I I don't think it's a race you can back Big Energy because he's going to be really short. Um, 28.93 at Sandown last time. Hasn't raced for a month so there's a little bit of a question mark hovering over the top of him and he doesn't always begin like he began last time and I I reckon you're probably going to get more a place on Nitro Bale than you are for Big Energy to win. Therefore off the cherry draw, um, best form here would seem run sort of a a 30 dead and I think that would be enough to to see Nitro Bale go well, and he's been jumping from horror draws week in, week out. Yeah,
1: I was was having a little giggle then because I feel like you've just read exactly what I've got written down here. Right? I think Big Energy is obviously the one to beat. There's not many Greyhounds that have broken 29 seconds and then come to the Meadows in a mix four or five. But uh, drawn well, Big Energy, hard to beat. Short enough, but Nitro Bale is the way I want to play it, particularly place-heavy. I think <laughs> it may be a bit of a sitting duck if Big Energy lobs in behind, but uh, Nitro Bale is probably the better bet, the place
0: for me. Do you reckon the, the three is named after that song? I think it's Big, Big Energy, you know, that, the song?
1: No, I don't, I don't know it, Jim, but maybe that's, you can sing it for me if you'd like. Say, I think
0: that was a problem when I just uh, sang it, then it didn't sound anything like it actually does. But uh, maybe Google or, or do something with that song. I think that's maybe where the naming came from. Uh, forget about that. Race five. Let's get on. Uh, Ailey Bale, oh, I think she's lost her way. Um, she's the two dollar favourite here. Um, very, very, very winnable race for her. But. one thing I'm not liking is when she leads, she burns the candle, I think, at the first end, can't finish it off. And then when she comes from behind, she's maybe not strong enough to win over 600 metres. So she almost needs to lob in the perfect place, sitting sort of leaders back. And maybe, just maybe, Roman Blazer sets that tempo for her to be able to run him down. Um, But then you've got Andre Bale, who's a, a really nice type on the up, but didn't finish it off over 600 last time. So again... Um, I'm a little bit unsure as to what to do. I think Ailey Bale could get that perfect run this week.
1: Yeah, I've got Roman Blazer on top. I definitely think it leads this race. As you said with Ailey Bale, you don't really know what to expect or or what her best racing pattern is. I, pro- I think we probably could have said the same thing about Kelsey Bale about six months ago when she led ship tyre and when she came from behind. She could produce the biggest runs you've ever seen. She started to put it together. So I expect Ailey Bale to put it together, particularly in the care of the Dale Bridges. 600-metre racing is just their domain, basically. But uh, as you said, Andre Bale, I think, is the map dog of the race. So I could see a scenario where I back both Andre Bale and Roman Blazer and just wait for Ailey Bale to uh, to perform over this track and distance.
0: Race six, I'm going with Fab's Vegetable on top number three. And I want to, I want to have a little bit of a chat about Yachi Bale because... I reckon credit goes to Mark and Lisa Delbridge to have got this boy to win a Melbourne Cup because you look at his form prior, you look at his form post the Melbourne Cup, and he does not look like a Melbourne Cup dog in any way, shape or form. And even last week, loomed up at Zandown Park, sunny side Zeus in front. He looked to have him cold. Didn't really run out the 600 metres. Um, he hasn't got the speed to get into place, and yet he, he won that Melbourne Cup, and he now sits there with three quarters of a million dollars in his bank. It's, it's an incredible training effort to get him... Um, as we sit back now, what, six months after a Melbourne Cup and look and say he's just he just doesn't fit the profile of a Melbourne Cup dog.
1: Yeah, it's a it's an interesting one. He's obviously uh he's obviously won seven hundred and forty three thousand, so there's no way I'll be knocking the dog but you think of most absolute top-liners as having some sort of attribute, whether it's a co-blends with his early speed or mm. a Fernando Bale or or the strength of a feral Frankie. And Yaki is probably still trying to figure out what his strength is. Obviously, it's, it's in the back half of his races, but he's got a lob close enough. And and whether he can start jumping nicer uh, over the 600 metres on these bend starts, that'll be the difference between him becoming an out-and-out superstar and probably nudging that, uh, that million-dollar barrier, or whether he just uh, becomes just a really nice greyhound, which he now, again, this is a tough race. Um, for me, I, I'm really interested to see who told Shorty uh, at its second run over the 600 metres. I think if he can jump and find the front, uh, he can be a really big player in this one. So I'm leaning towards who told Shorty, but again, it's probably a race that I'm not super keen on and I think quality players will be going pretty wide in this one.
0: Yeah, and I reckon you go through Yachi Bell starting price, 210, 390, 310, 460, 370, and his last five hasn't won any of them, but I think he, he does, look, even the comment from the watchdog reigning Melbourne Cup winner, so he does have that following because of what he did uh, on that special night in November. Race seven, sports bet, heat number three of the 600 metre heats. I, I like these 600 heats because you're always He's going to get greyhounds coming from all over the place. Mapunga Mustang, I think he's not a 600-metre dog, but they're obviously trying to get him in front and get his confidence up. Bell Violin's the hardest greyhound to catch in the world. And Hara Skipper's sort of heading down that path as well. <laughs> but um, oh, I'm going to go Harris Skipper, um, not with a huge amount of confidence.
1: Jim, I reckon there's three dogs in this that you've declared as future Group 1 uh, winners over the distance in, the, in Bell Violin, Harris Skipper, and Serena Bale. And, and you've, uh, you've managed... <laughs> You've managed to uh, put, the, put the mocker on uh, on most of them. I definitely think Mofunga Mustang leads, and I think whoever gets the nice sit behind him will be winning. So there's plenty of greyhounds in this that you could make a case for. Um, I am leaning towards Mpunga Mustang just because I just want to be in front, to be honest, in a race like this because there's so many question marks with some of the others and, and whether they can uh, put it all together or not.
0: Trainers are now paying me to make sure I make no silly comments about their dogs being <laughs> our future potential stars because it does fall apart. Is there a dog right now that you think sitting there just watching, going through the grades, that could be the next big thing?
1: It's a tough question. Uh yeah, good question. Without notice, I think uh, from the staying ranks, there's a greyhound up in New South Wales that's uh, a litimate to Trooper and trappeteers. and that's I think it's called Like Wildfire, who uh, just he just he honestly just walks out of the boxes and just absolutely storms home. So if he can uh, if he can step up in distance and. I, I think he'll, uh, he'll set the world on fire, like Wildfire for me, Jim. But uh, there's plenty of greyhounds that you could make a case for. I think that those two mentioned, Trooper and trappeteers. I definitely think it's the most exciting litter that there is in Australia at the moment.
0: You are a genius, I tell you that. I threw that question at you with no notice whatsoever. Um, I didn't even realise, like, Wildfire had started racing, but a little birdie told me not too long ago he is the best dog in that litter or very, very close to it, and that is a huge statement. So we shall see what happens there, but um, I think everybody's just just diving for the black book now to put like wildfire in there. Two starts, two wins in New South Wales. Uh, race 8 on with Titan Blazer. I just think his class might shine through here.
1: Now, this is confusing me because is Titan Blazer going to race, do you think? He, he's obviously reserved for the Harrison Dawson. He raced on Thursday night. He hasn't been scratched yet. I probably should, have, uh, probably should have sent a message through to the Gibbons whether he's going to be scratched or not. If he's not scratched, I'm with Titan Blazer. If he is scratched, I think that the race sets up perfectly for dragging in. So I'll, uh, I'll wait for scratchings to come, but that's the way I'm seeing it.
0: Yeah, because he did get a run as a reserve last night. So whether or not they bat the old boy up, we'll just have to wait and see. We'd have to assume, I suppose, at this point that he is going around if he's pulled up well. Uh, race number nine, again, tough race. I think that's the order of the night, uh, Saturday night. Capitalises the runner that I'm with. Um, You'll look at the form and say 26. 6.63 at Warrigal, Jimmy. Why Why are you tipping this thing to win a Metro race? Um, the track was was horrible. It was harrowed. It was pouring rain. Um, you had to completely forgive the times. Best of the night was run by Transponder, who I reckon wasn't that far off a record run, and it was 26.01 the time came up. So I think capitalizer has got the speed to lead, but I, I do have the concern that the Red could get a beautiful run through here, Shadow's Secret, but they're the youngsters coming up against the more seasoned campaigners.
1: Yeah, I was uh, I'm glad you mentioned that warrigal time because it, it certainly sticks out in the uh, the form guide it's probably more of a 25 63 run than a 26 63 run so uh definitely take notice of that and that's that's one thing that uh, we probably need to improve on with with the way that we uh, broadcast our races is is the track conditions in that sense because that's a long way off the time that capitalized would have run with that run on a different sort of track so I'm glad you brought that up Jim uh my tip for the race is an each way bet, mainly the place one by four, one by five, however you want to play it. And that's on crystal bail, uh, just has plenty of early speed and just runs places around this journey for fun, I
0: think. So why can't we as an industry put in the form guide we we have the penetrometer readings throughout a meeting. I think for for welfare they do them four or five times a meeting. I could be wrong, but they definitely definitely take the penetrometer reading throughout the meeting. Why why can't we be like the thoroughbreds? And if it is a Harrow track and it is heavy, let's put in the form guide. Let's have our ratings and say it's a heavy ten let's have a good three or a fast two or whatever it might be. Because at the end of the day, the average punter is going to look at that and go, well, capitalized 26-63 wouldn't win a tier three. It's never going to win at the Meadows Saturday night. And especially if that was his first start, because he'd go somewhere next time, uh, 90% of punters who just read the form and don't look into it are going to say, well, he's no chance. And I think that's that's a false reading on the track's behalf.
1: Oh, look... I'm all for this, and I'm going to continue to advocate for it and uh, talk about track conditions, especially in those sorts of uh, scenarios. You don't see it often, but when you do see it, you'd really like the punters to have more information. So that's probably our job uh, in the media to do it at the moment, but... Yeah, I'll, I'll keep advocating for it to go in the form guide, I, that's for
0: sure. I am going to pose this question on uh, the Spotify edition of this podcast. There'll be a question saying, should it be in the form guide, a, a, a track rating um, in the form guide for each and every start? Let us know your thoughts because if we can get enough people, you know, suggesting that that should happen, it might be something that we can we can move forward to and maybe even sort of mingling in with the GOTBA who, who are trying to do things for, for the industry moving forward. That's something we can, we can look into. But I think there's definitely a place for it, Ray, Race 10, um, this is my best bet of the night. Now, you might think I'm a little bit mad, but I'm going with number two, Gucci Girl. And I think the red's going to give the lead straight to the front. The red's going to go to the lead, rather. And Gucci Girl is just going to get the most beautiful run if she can track to leaders back. And I think from there, um, her Horsham form is, is outstanding. And we had Graham Glass on the pod not too long ago, and he gave her a very, very, very big push. as a greyhound who's a little bit funny, but with a massive motor. So I think she's drawn well.
1: Yeah, I'm not going to say you're uh, a bit weird for that because I've got Gucci Girl as my second selection. I've got Quested Bale on top. This week, I guess, I'm just trying to find leaders, to be honest. I'm going back to that tried and true formula, and I think Quested Bale leads uh, quite comfortably in this one. So um, I'm with Quested Bale, but I certainly wouldn't talk you out of Gucci Girl, that's for sure.
0: Race 11, Queen Goldstein for me, number two, I think can track into the race with a bit of 600-metre form, can be strong at the end.
1: Um, with Slingshot Woody, who I think uh, if it doesn't lead, it'll be very, very close to it and we'll run a good race up in distance.
0: Race 12, City View Bistro, the best food at uh, that sort of area around Broadmeadows, I reckon, on a Saturday night. Um, Who wins the last, mate? Because it's a pretty even race. I'm sort of leaning to the value of Wipe the Tears.
1: Uh, I think Slingshot Hogan's a deserved favourite, so I apologise to Emily as a party for tipping hers in the last two. But, uh, yeah, Slingshot
0: Hogan on top for me. Hunters, Punting Club. All righty. so Smithy's getting right behind the Emily as a party runners in the last two races. Uh, my best bet, I'm going to just go 25 each way. I think we'll be value Gucci Girl in race number 10. Drawn box number 2, contract the speed of Quested Bale and then just go bang, win it. That's Gucci Girl. Smithy? I
1: like it, Jim, but uh, I'm not going to wait that long. I'm going to go in race number one. I'm going to have my whole 50 or never be alone. I thought it was a bit of a tough night to try and find absolute best bets of the night, but uh, I'm just looking for leaders and hopefully uh, hopefully, we can find plenty of winners. As
0: soon as you said that, I thought I should have broke my bet up into two and had something on Never Be Alone because I think you're going to get a hell of a run for your money if you bet Never Be Alone in race number one. Just remember always gamble responsibly. Chances are you're going to lose. You can call Gambler's Help on 1-800-858-858 or visit gamblinghelponline.org.au for free online confidential assistance or night no, free online uh what is it free online <laughs> confidential support thanks smithy well well done jim
1: i'm glad you got through that mate we uh we survived another week
0: hey it was a long one but a good one uh, good luck with your best bets on saturday night mate and thanks for your time again cheers mate inside info Let's get into inside info now. Meadows, Saturday night, and a man who's got a couple going around is Taylor Thornton, the former New Zealander now situated in Melbourne, and they all seem to move to Seymour when coming from New Zealand. I need to find out a little bit more about that as I welcome Taylor to the podcast. How are you, mate? Yeah, good, thank you. How are you? I'm well, I'm well. Uh, Let's, before we get to how you ended up in Seymour, go back to the start in New Zealand. What got you involved in Greyhound Racing?
2: Well, it was actually by chance. I was um, a studying electrical engineering at the time and I was walking past the Greyhound track. And um, to cut a long story short, it kind of took my eye and I thought, oh, that was a bit of fun. So anyway, I started catching them on trial day and then catching them on race day and then boxing them and all that carry on. And then I was lucky enough to get offered a job by um, Karen Walsh at the time to come and give them a hand during the holidays. And at the end of it, I got offered a full-time position, which I was very excited about.
0: And working with Karen Walsh, as we know here in Australia, one of the, the, the top trainers on the North Island in New Zealand racing around Cambridge, you must have come across some really fast dogs through her kennel.
2: Oh, it's definitely a lot of fun, um, a lot of fast dogs and very well-prepared dogs too. Learned a lot in my time at Karen's.
0: And you would have learned a lot too, I suppose, from a, a young bloke who's wandered past a greyhound track to then be, you know, quickly working um, with one of the best trainers in New Zealand. That that must have really fast-tracked, I guess, your knowledge in the sport of training.
2: Yeah, 100%. She's a very good lady and a very good teacher. And like you said, I'm very lucky to work with some very, very fast dogs. And, very, and the thing about Karen's is they do it all, so they break in, they pre-train, they rear, so you get to see it all.
0: I feel like right now we almost need in the industry like a bit of a, a mentoring program, and obviously you had Karen Walsh and, and the team over there in New Zealand to assist you with with the way that you started out and the, and the learning process. Do you even now still, if you have an issue, do you still speak with with Karen over there in New Zealand?
2: I probably annoy her once a week with yes. um, qu- just with questions about dogs or situations. So she's very, I'm very very lucky to um, be able to ask her certain questions and get a you know answer that's. Um, You know, probably pretty
0: accurate, I would say. It's it's a great advantage, isn't it? Uh, You then make the move to Australia. How did that all eventuate?
2: Well, I was sort of, um, I was always watching Australian racing and thinking that I really, my dream was to be able to train dogs in Australia. Always was from day one. That's nothing against New Zealand racing. I just thought that the pinnacle of dogs
0: in Australasia,
2: in my opinion, are in Melbourne. And it was always my dream to train dogs in
0: Australia. I love that. Uh, Chasing dreams, mate. That's what it's all about. Just quickly, a little bit off topic. um, Postman Pat the Greyhounds made his way over to Jason Thompson from New Zealand. I'm sure you would have uh, kept a a close eye on his progress. I think he's racing tonight at Warrigal, having his first start in Melbourne. And I guess in a way he's chasing the dream the same way you did.
2: One hundred percent, and it's good to see. Good to see a New Zealand dog come over to Australia because we see plenty of Australians um, go over to New Zealand and succeed. It'd be good to see it the other way around.
0: Right now, training out of Seymour. How did you end up making the move from from New Zealand to Seymour? Because I'm sure you'd, you'd know Jimmy Shaw, who lives not too far up the road from you. He's another former Kiwi. They're sort of all just pooling around that area. Yeah, seems to be. It
2: seems to be it. So. Um, Oh, Braden Finn came over about five or six years ago for a dog called Sweet It Is, and um, we were staying at Karen Walsh's place. And as soon as Braden turned up, we sort of grew a bit of a friendship. And um, he actually he actually rang me and, and and asked if I could work for his partner, um, Rebecca Romain, which um, which was my opportunity to come to Seymour, and that's how it sort of went from there.
0: And now to greyhounds racing Metropolitan in Melbourne. That must again be a great thrill. We'll start with Meet Joe Black, bit of an old warrior, um, very very good race dog, and it has been around for a long time.
2: Yeah, he loves it. He's a sort of he's a type of dog that doesn't like to miss out on going to the races, and that's his um, thing. He really looks forward to. You know, he he loves just jumping in the van and going for a trip. So. He's, he's up against it tomorrow. There's a couple of good ones in there, but I know one thing with Mick Joe Black
0: is he'll try his best and he'll definitely uh, won't let you down. And race 10, uh, number eight, Soda Polly, a greyhound with a nice motor, won her last two at Bendigo. She's got early speed. She can win from anywhere. It is a tough race, but she is in good winning form, and, and it must be nice, I guess, waking up in the morning with a greyhound in the kennel who's won half of her race starts.
2: Yeah, 100%. And it's very, very fortunate to get a dog like that in my first season of training. And I do appreciate that. And like you said, yep, she's got a hard little race. She's got the um, box eight. But if she can show her speed and, um, you know, get a bit of luck in the race, I hope, I hope she can run a nice top three placing or even win the race.
0: Hey, when you walk past the Greyhound track as an electrical engineer in training, um, how long ago was that? It was about 11 or 12 years ago. So you've progressed relatively quickly through the grades to now being in Melbourne training greyhounds. I, I know you said this was the dream, but did you ever think it would become reality that you're racing at the premier track effectively, one of the premier tracks in Australia, with, with two genuine chances, you know, some 11 or 12 years after you wandered past? Was it uh, the Cambridge Raceway that you wandered past all those moons ago?
2: Yeah, well, I was Auckland Raceway, Manukau Manuka races, but close enough. New Zealand's a small place, and um, yeah, well, that's exactly it. I'm i I'm, I'm absolutely like when you race at something like the Metropolitan races, like you alluded to, it's actually an honour to race there. Not many people get the opportunity, and not many people have dogs potentially fast enough. So it's a I'm actually feel blessed to be able to race at the at the Meadows, and I really do. Um, have the respect for the racing.
0: It's it's a wonderful way to look at it. In the 11 or 12 years that you've been involved in the sport who would be the, the best couple of greyhounds that you've seen between Australia and New Zealand? The best the best
2: greyhound ever was, I, I reckon I've, I've seen in New Zealand, was a dog called Thronin Brat. He um, came over and won the Superstars at the Meadows um, uh, this was probably about 6 or 7 years ago. It was a group 1 and still is a group 1 which was amazing thrill and um, obviously there's so many dogs you could say like Sweet It Is and there's been there's been so many and it's and I'm I'm honoured to say there's been so many dogs that I I could list.
0: Well, mate, keep doing what you're doing. Uh, keep training winners. Keep chasing the dreams. I suppose uh, if there's one race that you want to win as, I'll let you go. Um, whether or not that be back in New Zealand or here in Australia, is there is there one race you'd love to one day win as a trainer?
2: Well, I would love to win the Melbourne Cup, but. Um, I would love to also win the million dollar chase. So if I can knock those both off, I'll be very happy.
0: And then, then what about travelling back to New Zealand to pinch a race over there? What would be the number one race you'd love to win in New Zealand? Do you like the Silver Collar, the Staying Race? Yeah, I was
2: I was going to say I like to win the Silver Collar because um, Karen prides herself on being a, sta- a trainer of stayers, and she gets a lot of thrills out of it. And she has sort of made the Silver Collar her own over the last ten years. Um, and it's a it's a it's a different kettle of fish to try to try and train a seven seven. Nine meter dog, and there's a lot of skill involved, so I'd love to. I'd love to be able to
0: do that. I know one trainer, Jerry O'Keefe, who is pretty much dedicating his life now to the silver collar. It, it uh, comes to about middle of the year and or sort of over the, the, the Christmas break over here, and he starts to make his preparations to try and win a silver collar because he won it back-to-back with Ring the Bells. So very, very special race, mate. It's been great to have a chat and, and learn a little bit about your involvement in the sport. And as I said not too long ago, keep chasing those dreams in the, the great sport of greyhound racing. It's been a great story thus far. Yes, yeah, thank you very much. I appreciate the phone call. And that's all for this edition of the Green Light on Premier Racing podcast. Now, do not forget, there's a question on Spotify. Should we be putting a track rating uh, in the form guide, which will make it easier uh, to work out if the tracks are slow or they're fast or what it might be? Until next time, punters. Big week coming up next week with the uh, the Group One Sandown Cup meets as well as the two Group Ones at Sandown Park uh, next week as well. Until then, safe travelling, and as always on this podcast, happy punting.